Hello, and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 63 of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. So it seems like we're sort of reverting to the origin of this whole problem briefly. I find it interesting that Father is talking about rights and freedom and all that, and how, at least at that point in time, he viewed himself as basically being on the lowest rung of everything, despite prodigious knowledge. So... You know, I guess the seeds were there. Father would have always become a monster. And it's interesting in a way that almost nothing has changed, you know. Even now, at what should be the apex of his power, Ed Elric is basically just beating him in a fistfight when, by all accounts, that is something that should be... Well, an impossibility. I do find it interesting that, you know, nobody else is sort of intervening in this fight, and perhaps it's probably for the best, but... I don't know, I feel like they could take care of everything if other people just sort of stepped in. Although, in retrospect, perhaps it's better that they didn't, seeing as how Father is now explosively disgorging souls. You know, I guess it was, um... maybe a bit of a ruse here, sort of using this opportunity to try and suck up what remains of greed. So, it seems, once again, the central conflict here is that Ling is loyal to a fault, even to a monster like Greed. You know, it's pretty clear that this is going to be a losing battle. Father's going to win this tug of war, but when he does so, Ling loses not only a friend, but also a Philosopher's Stone, which is something he needs if he wants to secure his claim to the throne. So, it's interesting here, you know, Greed sort of mentioned before, famously, that he does not tell lies, but, you know, maybe that was the only lie he's ever told, or perhaps he was lying when he said he didn't lie. It's one of those interesting logical loops, but, I don't know, I feel like it was something that had to be done. I feel like greed is being deliberately irreverent here. The idea being that I guess he's grown as a person and seeing as how he has actual friends here, you know, he's looking out for people other than himself. It's rather admirable of greed to have essentially gone to his death willingly. But it seems as though in going to his death, you know, 
he had to get in one final parting shot. And based on what's happening to Father, it would seem as though he's ruined his body. I mean, thinking about it, this is probably the ideal ending for Greed. You know, in the very end, he spites Father by transmuting his body into uh, weak, brittle carbon. So even though it does ultimately prove fatal, you know, Father not willing to let him die along with him, naturally, yeah, it is rather unfortunate, but I guess it was probably inevitable. I mean, what would have happened if Greed had survived Father's death? You know, would he have continued to persist after Father's death, or would he sort of had died as well. I mean, I guess if he had a separate source of souls, he would have lived, but... I don't know. Like, I feel like this is sort of what had to happen, you know? He was a monster of father's making, and therefore... It's really only fitting that he sort of dies along with him, even if he did do so in opposition. Now, I do find it interesting that Greed is perhaps the most satisfied with how his life and death had ended up. Because, you know, he did have some really valuable stuff that he valued, and... I mean, what more could you really want as Greed? So it would seem as though it's finally over, you know, Father has disgorged what remains of the souls he contained. It's unfortunate that all those souls, you know, they no longer have bodies to return to, so I guess, you know, they're just dead. But it's good that they're finally free. You know, I'm certain that that's preferable to being trapped in a stone for all eternity until you're used up. So now Father, in all likelihood, has to face the one thing he's feared more than anything else. Divine judgment and death. You know, he sort of like shrieks in these final moments that he only ever wanted to be free. And, you know, what he really means is like free from life and death and all that. But, I mean, no one can really be free from that in the long run. So this is interesting, you know, the truth sort of shows up again, but he mirrors Father. It, it is interesting. It strikes me as, you know, fairly biblically accurate in that, you know, God's creations are made in his image. Yeah. It is rather unfortunate that father doesn't really seem to understand what the truth is trying to tell him here you know you, you didn't cultivate your own talents or anything like that you you basically relied on stealing stuff from others 
And therefore, you know, you have... You've basically screwed up the game of life irreparably. And I do think that that's sort of like an interesting lesson that can be applied to life on general principle. Because, I mean, like... If you get ahead in life by stealing, be it material objects or stealing credit... You must, by necessity, ignore your own talents and attributes, and therefore they will atrophy. You know, the things you don't use will wither up and become vestigial. And if you ever do find yourself in a situation where there's nobody else to rely on, and you don't have self-reliance, like, you are truly up the creek without a paddle. So it's interesting that I feel like father is receiving like the worst possible punishment here. It's almost as if he's being unmade. You know, like the afterlife isn't expounded upon too much in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, but I feel like, you know, there's probably some analog to heaven and hell and whatever happened to the homunculus, uh, it certainly wasn't good. So now we come to the issue of Alphonse. Obviously he hasn't returned, and frankly, why would he? Because his returning to the land of the living was based on Edward giving up his arm. So if he has his arm, you know, Alphonse can't come back. And even in the face of his brother being dead, you know, this is a mark of Edward's considerable moral fiber that... With his brother lying dead and presented with the Philosopher's Stone, he still refuses to use it for those selfish ends, even if it would be justified. I mean, getting down to it, Alphonse's sacrifice was by and large the fulcrum upon which everything shifted. So even Hohenheim is willing to sacrifice the rest of his life to bring back Alphonse, but I'm of two minds of this. You know, I can understand why Ed is so hesitant, but Hohenheim makes a reasonable point here in that, you know, what, what else should a father do but help his children? But at the same time, I understand what Ed's saying here. You know, this is a mistake that we caused by being foolish. You know, we need to take care of this on our own. I guess it juxtaposes nicely with all that stuff Father is saying and how the truth was really dressing him down about not being self-reliant. I mean, you don't have to be utterly self-reliant at all times. In fact, I would say this is probably a reasonable time to start depending on other people. I guess the idea here is to show that not only did Edward win 
the fight he won on virtue too or he won morally rather I find it interesting that Ed is so insistent that there has to be some other way to do things. Because, you know, that's not necessarily going to be true in life. And seeing as how you're dealing with a higher power here, you know, it really isn't necessarily true that there has to be some sort of workaround or loophole. Nevertheless, I admire his determination. You know, that shot of Edward looking down at his hands, that's another little detail I like, because you can sort of see where his right arm is, like, emaciated and bony from disuse. You know, you can sort of, like, see the wrist bone poking out where you can't see it on the other arm. It's just little things like that that I find interesting that, you know, even if it's not, like, a mark of supreme quality that they were to account for things like that, you know, it's a little detail. I, I think it shows dedication to the craft, if nothing else. So for better or for worse, Edward seems to have picked up on a solution here. You know, I feel like um, if I were one of the soldiers or one of the other people just sort of standing around watching this, I'd be rather disquieted. You know, especially seeing all the destruction that alchemy has wrought. If he's drawing up his own little human transmutation circle, you know, surely nothing good can come of this. I also feel like that was kind of a poor choice of words on Edward's part, saying, this is my last transmutation. I know why he said that, but, you know, I feel like nobody else would really grasp the true meaning. So here we go. Edward has confronted the truth here. And, you know, the truth makes a good point here. It's like, okay, how are you going to get your brother back? What are you going to give me? And Edward's pointing to the gate of truth itself. So the truth sort of laughs at this prospect, you know. And I guess, thinking about it, this is sort of like a little loophole here. Because Edward and Alphonse were sort of connected through this whole alchemical trauma, you know, Edward can get away with getting rid of his gate of truth even though it prevents him from performing alchemy because... You know, Alphonse has a gate that he can emerge from. 
You know, I feel like if somebody were just doing this on their own and they were to sacrifice the gate of truth, like, that's it. They're stuck there. There's no way out. But... I don't know. This is an interesting end, you know, loophole aside. Even if you don't consider the loophole, Edward is sort of coming to the conclusion that, you know, I don't need the ability to perform alchemy. You know, I can I can give it up, I can live without it, you know, it's sort of like accepting that you know nothing, giving up on hubris and all that. You know, it's not clear based on the perspective, but I don't know if that other gate and Alphonse were readily visible to Edward, so... Man, this has got to be one hell of a reunion where he finally sees the gaunt, emaciated form of his brother that's been basically just sort of like sitting around for who knows how many years. So, you know, that's it. I mean... Edward has come out on top. Yeah, he can't perform alchemy anymore, so that's sort of like the big sort of central interest of his life that is now no longer something he can participate in, but I feel like that's kind of a small price to pay in the long run. Now, despite being back in his real body... I feel like Alphonse has a pretty rocky road ahead of him, you know. Like, the human body is tough, but... Like, you know, it does need time to repair itself, and that's like a long, time-consuming process. Like, I know a little bit about stuff like this where, like, you know, if... If you're basically starving for a prolonged period of time where there just isn't much more food than is barely necessary to survive and then you eat a lot like you will get sick because your stomach isn't used to it so i feel like alphonse is in a sort of situation like that where he's gonna have to like basically slowly adjust to having a body again and there's gonna need to be all sorts of like physical therapy because if his muscles have just been sort of like sitting around not doing anything you know they're going to be really weak to the point where you know even like walking around and supporting your own body weight is well basically like a workout a really tough thing to do i mean i guess for all the hardship that adjusting to having a flesh and blood body again it's probably worth it, you know, it's almost certainly better than being a disembodied soul. So just that little flashback there with Hohenheim talking to Father. It's interesting how way back when, Father thought he would be happy merely being able to leave the flask, but 
you know, sure enough, that was not sufficient. As soon as he got out of the flask, he began scheming bigger and better things. I, I guess it sort of makes sense when you consider that, of all the homunculi, pride was the strongest, as if to suggest that Father had much more pride compared to any of the other sins to expel. You know, if once he gets himself a body, his first sort of impulses to plot how to overthrow God. Now, you know, I've been noticing Hohenheim has those sort of like those alchemy marks on his face and about his arms. Considering he said he doesn't have long for this world, you know, not much energy left and all that. It really does seem like he's sort of barely being held together by duct tape and string. It is nice, however, that before he did finally kick the bucket, he did have a chance to sort of visit Trisha's grave and all that, pay his respects one last time. I guess it's kind of good in a sort of somber sort of way that he's able to report good news. You know, he's reconciled with his kids and all that. So I guess just to twist the knife one last time, you know, he's finally talking about how great his life has been as he is presumably finally expiring for good. Yeah, there's some real bitter irony in that. That, you know, for the first time he really does want to continue living, but it's no longer an option. I guess in a way it's gotta be weird. You know, Pinaco finally sees Hohenheim, you know, this guy who's been basically a constant figure in her life. Uh, you know, finally he appears to look his age.
All right, well, that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.